Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, and my definite purpose is to encourage people to live positively through the many and varied challenges that life throws our way. You can find out more about me and uh, this interview at my website. It's Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L, Dot com and the two tall means I'm five foot one and not six foot nine. Just as a reminder to everybody, uh, exciting show today. Only the second person in the five-year history of my radio show I've inter- ever interviewed a third time. Her father is my all-time favorite motivational speaker. Uh, most people who would know me well would think that Zig Ziglar was, but no. Charlie Tremendous Jones was my favorite speaker of all time, and I have his daughter on the show today. Tracy Jones is the author of five books. She's the president of Tremendous Life Books. Uh, Her father, the late Charlie Tremendous Jones, founded that business, Executive Books, in 1965 with the goal of changing the world one book at a time. After amassing an exceptional leadership background of her own, Tracy took the company's reins in 2009 and carries on her father's tremendous legacy today. A former Air Force officer and Gulf War veteran, uh, Tracy's story career in uniform took her from Roswell, New Mexico to stations in Germany and England where she honed her operational expertise and tremendous leadership skills in a number of command roles. A Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania native, Tracy is a graduate of the New Mexico Military Institute and the Air Force Academy. Uh, Before assuming her father's mantle at Tremendous Life Books, Tracy built an impressive career as a corporate fixer. And when she talks about her own experiences, she paints with broad, exciting strokes and her clashes with company old guards. We all know those and her battles with (laughs) entrenched boards, all successful efforts to affect real and lasting change. With 12 years in the Air Force, another 10 in corporate boardrooms, plus an MBA in global management, uh, Tracy puts her tremendous training to work, carrying on her father's lifelong mission, which is an amazing one. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you so much, Tom. I uh, watch your dad probably once a week I, on some kind I of video. Like, I did not realize he was your favorite. What a way to kick it off. Um, right. That's, that's, I, 
I, I know I, I know you were a big fan, but uh, wow, especially you know with all the greats out there, that means a great deal to me. Thank you so much for that, and I'm glad hey. you listen to him once a week. <laughs> oh, and I read his book, uh, Life is Tremendous, um, mm-hmm. once a year at least. It's a quick read, and I it always... Is. I always end up, uh, Zig Ziglar says, smiling so wide I could eat a banana sideways after I read it. <laughs> I love that. So keep on the good work. Now you're sort of going in a an additional direction, not a new direction, because forever Tremendous Life Books is going to be about books. But you really are now kind of branching out and adding leadership training to what you're doing. And so uh, let's talk about that. Uh, You have that corporate career. You were in the Air Force for 12 years. Uh, What are the factors that impacted your decision to return to your roots in central Pennsylvania uh, to continue your father's legacy as a speaker and publisher and uh, I would almost call him a philosopher as well. Yeah, I like that. He would have loved that, too. Um, There were a couple different things, and it's, uh, you know, the company's 51 years old, so, and I've been back seven years. Um, So this kind of journey, all this happening, took about 35 years. So for the listeners that are kind of like, well, I'm just, I'm not sure if I'm there yet, that's okay. These things, these things take time. Um, Tom, I always kind of knew in the back of my mind, my father told me when I was young, he's like, you can't live in my shadow, you have to go out and earn your own stripes. And I can remember listening to people like him and Zig Ziglar and listening to Earl Nightingale on tape and Ogmandino, and I was just in awe of these gentlemen and how they helped other people. And they helped other people because they shared with them their real-life lessons and their experiences. So I was always very aware that leadership was about not about razzmatazz or personality, although charisma is important, but that it was very important that you be able to share with people where you have been and that you can take them where they need to go because you have you have gone further than them. So I went out um, in the in the world of the military and defense contracting and corporate America, and I was earning my stripes. And I'd be a couple years here and then there, and just uh, growing my experience bags. Um, one of the laws of leadership you talked about was. Uh, in life is tremendous, and it's exposure to experience. So kind of in the back of my mind, I had this that I might be coming back to tremendous life, then executive books, um, mm-hmm. life management services, but I wasn't sure. So I was out there gathering up as much experience as I could, and then um, I'm sure the listeners can identify, you know, you go through seasons of life. What's important to you when you're younger may not be as something else when you're midlife or more senior in season, it's completely different. I meet a lot of people now in their 50s and 60s that are like, okay, now what do I really want to do with my life? And it's really quite powerful. So when my father passed, I was 45 years old, and I thought, you know what? I'm done with getting the next title or the next promotion or the next pay raise. I, what's most important to me now at this season of my life is coming back and taking his legacy and either buttoning it up Um, in a beautiful way that honors him and perpetuates it, or taking it to the next level. And I really was not sure, um, as you can imagine, coming in behind somebody like that, you're like, oh, Mm. you know, you said I'm a corporate fixer, so I had the joy of going into groups that needed help. Well, it's easy to fix things when they're broke, but how do you come into something that's already, like, larger than life? What What can you possibly do with that? 
so um, that is why that's kind of what impacted uh, my my decision to come back. And you know, I always kind of let it to God. And I said, you know, if you want it to go on, let it go on. And if you don't want it to go on, we'll close it. And then I'll go back into the world doing something else. I mean, I think a lot of people look at life and they're like, um, oh, it's got to be all or nothing. And although I'm totally into Napoleon Hill's definiteness of purpose, your purpose is just that every opportunity that you have, you do the best. And that could right. be in a lot of different jobs and right. a lot of different things. You know and a lot saying? of different a lot of different areas of your life. And that's yes. what your your dad uh, loved so much about him is that uh in this world, maybe North American world, if someone has financial success we tend to let them off the hook for their their family and their faith and their other areas of life. Uh but your dad uh wasn't content with just the financial successes of the world he wanted people to be uh great at every area of their life family life as well yeah. uh personal life uh every area of their life as you said just be the very best that you can and that's part of personal leadership you know you're branching into leadership training but personal leadership is always doing the very best you can in every area of your life. And, uh, and of course, having a definite purpose is uh, amazing as well. I've changed Napoleon to wording for definite purpose. I now call it God-given definite purpose because I came up with a few purposes of my own that were just my own purposes. But oh, now, I love it. Now I believe that if Jesus was sitting on the other side of my desk, which would be pretty cool meeting, I would do not much talking at well, that spiritually, meeting. Spiritually, yeah, it's right. True, but yeah, I think I think <laughs> he would hand cool. I think he would hand me the same document that I have written right beside my desk as my purpose for why I was created. And you can imagine that if you know the purpose that God created you for. You can eliminate a lot of other stuff in your life, and you can focus wholeheartedly on why you were created. And I yeah. think this is this is part of your purpose now uh, uh, to build and build upon your dad's uh, good works. And so, let's talk about one of your latest books, Beyond Tremendous: Raising the Bar on Life. I love it. Yeah. And and I've read some. <laughs> I read some of the chapter titles and laughed. I saw this one a few times. Does this excuse make my butt look big? <laughs> and uh, I've seen Are You Slactose Intolerant, uh, which I am, and uh, full, of <laughs> full of Knowledge are just full of it. So how much fun uh, did you have writing this book, and what was your inspiration? Who was the person or type of person in your mind that you wanted to get this message across to? Well, anybody that really is um, looking for personal success, either in their own individual life, work, church, family, um, you know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, you want to raise the bar on life. I think a lot of people sit back and they're like, well, I'm not in a position of leadership, so that's it. You know, this is as good as it gets. And it's like, no, 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 there, there, there can be no status quo. I don't care if you just live as a recluse and a hermit under a rock. Every day you should be looking to be the best hermit under a rock right. that you can be. So the, the goal was really for anybody that just in life gets that urge like, hmm, I really should be doing something different. Or I love it. I love the, 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 the divine, I call it the divine discontentment, where, look, I'm, I'm happy with where I am, but I always have this sense that there's got to be 
something yeah. else that I can be doing. And it's not in a bad way that makes me miserable or covetousness or um, angry. It's just this constant raising the bar on life. Okay, what's next? What's the, I mean, when I end that race of life, I want to know. I want to be a dried out you know, prune. I yeah. want to know that I squeeze every little last bit out. So really it was written for that. I, I like the the funny, pithy things. I have kind of a snarky sense of humor. I tell people that's my spiritual gift is like sarcasm <laughs> in no, a nice I, way. You know what I mean? I love sarcasm. It's my favorite. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I, and I have a dictionary. So I just, I like snarky, pithy things. Hey, listen, those are the people who are listening. I worked in corporate America. I've worked in bureaucracies for 30 years. Trust me, if I didn't have a healthy sense of sarcasm and to look right. at some of the, it's like, it's like the office or Dilbert or office space. You know, you just kind of got to go, are you kidding me? And you kind of laugh at it. So right. um, I pulled a lot of that um, into the writing, put a lot of quotes, and they're just little, you know, maybe 400, 500-word paragraphs, just, you know, kind of like a little – uh, experiencing, try to throw a great quote in there, a great real-life experience, and just something to kind of make you laugh or get you thinking or something you can use um, in your groups kind of thing. Right, so that's, right. It's really for absolutely anybody. Right. Uh, one thing I kind of find, find sad is that there's not a large percentage, significantly under 50% of the population, that really has enough discontent to really not just want to, but a commitment to raising their bar on life. And it saddens me a bit because if you're a Christian, God gave you your skills, talents, and abilities. And if you waste them, it's like insulting God almost. Like why would he why would he bother giving you these and allow you to live in North America? Remember, four out of ten people in the world live on less than two dollars a day and you and I are very nice, Tracy, but we're no nicer than someone living right. in a third That's world. Luck country. of the draw where you're born. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so we should earn as very much as we can so that we can contribute to those people who are not. If you live on $2 a day, you're most likely only ever going to get the $3 a day, and that's not going to change your life. But we can use the most of our skills, talents, and ability to earn, not beg, not steal, but earn a lot of money so that we can give it to people who are living on less than $2 a day and make their life better. And so, yes, uh, great person or people group you have in mind for your book, just sad that it's not a larger percentage of the population as a whole, and maybe even a larger percentage of Christians, because of anyone, uh, they should know that their skills, talents, and abilities are not their own, and that they are to be used. And so uh, let's get people, uh, let's continue both of our quests to get people (laughs) to this stage of, okay, let's make the most of what God has given me and contribute to this world. So now you bring a unique blend of wit. Uh, every uh, You have jokes on your Facebook. I love them. And, <laughs> and teaching to your keynote speeches, uh, speeches. How have you been so successful at developing your repertoire, re- repertoire uh, yeah. your ear bunch of stories, jokes, and practical advice to create uh, such entertaining speeches and you customize them for each audience, uh, which is uh, cool for you. 
my mother-in-law, yeah. she's 90. My, my mother-in-law asks me every time I get a speaking engagement, what are you going to be talking about? And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, Mom, it's always about my life, overcoming adversity and challenges, always the same. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, but you do them customized because you have quite a variety of audiences there. And yes, exactly. Uh, you have to have different stories and jokes. And I remember one time I brought my wife to a talk I was doing. Her job was supposed to be video it. And at the end, I was like, how did the video go? She's like, oh, my gosh. She said, I got so interested in your talk. And you're telling all these different stories I never heard before. And I was laughing so hard, I forgot to uh, video it. And so you do have to have those stories because that's what people think in, right, uh, Tracy? They think yeah. in stories. They picture themselves in the story. And, you know, uh, you have to tell them a lot of those to, uh, especially maybe the younger audiences, the millennials. They're not so used to sitting and listening to us older people. So <laughs> you do have to keep them entertained, and I know you do that. And how do you do that? Do you do you keep a collection of these stories? I or do. what do you I do? do? I do all kinds of things. And one of the things what I like, you brought it up, and, and those of you that follow Tom on Facebook and stuff, what I like, I change every speech will be different. And I call it like boutique speak because you really want to know what the audience, the, the personal point of view of the audience. Because if they're not interested in what you have to say, it can be the greatest speech in the whole world. It's not going to be well received. So I would recommend, and I'm sure you do this, kind of mm-hmm. do your due diligence um, because mine is really crafted towards does the, does the company want to talk about sales? Do they want to talk about critical thinking? Is it a bunch of engineers and we need to work on people skills? So it can be typically different. It is going to be different what they want to focus on. But I do. I keep folders, files, um, stories, parables, because they're kind of the mental coat hooks. When you tell somebody a parable, like the Bible, when you right. tell somebody a story, I don't want to tell you, Tom, you know, don't don't waste throwing seeds on, you know, places where it's not going to bear fruit uh, because you're like, be quiet. But if I tell you the parable of the sower or the parable of the talents um, or the parable of the prodigal son, that stuff kind of really, it tends to stick with you. So uh, humor is a wonderful, it's wit and wisdom. People love to laugh. It's a non-threatening way to bring your point home. And remember, I learned from the best. My father was mm-hmm. the most hysterical person on planet Earth. But he would sit there and he you'd be laughing, and then he'd, boom, drive home this point, and you'd be crying. And it's like, wait, what just happened? And it was just, he's like, we don't tell jokes to be comedians. Um, you know, we're not, we are entertainers in a sense, but we're entertainers with a purpose. And right. uh, that, that's what he'd always drive it back. So I really try and keep, you know, I found some of the funniest groups are like CPAs and engineers. And you're like, what? Those guys are so nerdy and so introverted. They are the funniest. They laugh at themselves more. And, um, you know, it's just, I really just try and customize the humor or, and you talk about millennials, um, try and bring in current events or something going on right. in the news. Um, you know, try and look at the Urban Dictionary and bring in some, you know, Sark or whatever right. and just, um, you know, get get them into it because it just – and the most important thing is why I have to change my speech each time. I'm a different person each time. Right. If I'm giving the same speech from 20 years ago um, – 
you know, and part of that is the beauty is I get to run a business, I'm going to school, I'm rescuing animals, so I'm doing a lot of things, so I'm constantly changing each time. You're constantly going through different challenges and meeting different milestones, so people want to know what's different. You're not going to get the same Tracy from 2008 as you are in, you know, 2016. So I think if you just really focus on that, and um, and I do a um, uh, a seminar on, you know, just crafting uh, a great keynote speech and how you research it and how you build it, and um, a lot of that preparation is very mechanical. And once you get that down, then you have the great content, and then you can work on the presentation skills. So that that's kind of how I I put it all together. It it, it is very um, it seems very free form, but it's as you know, speaking is not something you can wing or just show up and do. It's there's a lot of behind the scenes, but once you kind of get the format and the structure, and you know where to go to for the great parables, stories, quotes, always mm-hmm. put some good quotes in there. Uh, Facebook memes. If I'm doing a, a PowerPoint presentation, then you get some really great uh, a great great impact. Right, right, right. And, uh, yeah, quotes are always uh, good. Good to have those in. And one of the best uh, speaking tips, personally for me, maybe it's not for everybody, but uh, Judy Williamson, the education director of the Napoleon Hill World Learning Center, uh, she saw me speak a few times and she said, never, ever, ever use a PowerPoint. She said, just speak from your heart. That's where you touch people, when you speak from your heart, not when you show a PowerPoint. So since then, I've done that, and uh, I really do feel that uh, just speaking from the heart, not ad-lib, have it what I'm going to say right. in mind, but just sharing personally, you know, and honestly with the audience, uh, I think that uh, generates the best connection between me and themselves. And what are your tips on that about PowerPoints and presentations? Oh, I, I totally hear you. Um, there will be times if I'm uh, like um, if I'm doing a sharing, um, I do book discussions with um, inmates, and I come and I share with other people about how these guys oh, wow. that may have a life sentence are still looking to develop themselves. Um, oh. If it's something like that, if it's something like a very poignant personal experience, I, like you said, I won't do it because it's more a personal it's it's a sharing but if i am doing more of a corporate gig where i'm going through uh tools and things that they can use and employ and benefits um like we do a write that book seminar i definitely have a powerpoint presentation so they can see examples of where a copyright page should be um you know different quotes different examples so because it's more of a learning environment um i totally understand if it's more of a personal thing um now if i'll do something where i'm reflecting back on my father i may have a couple pictures where i show us in different stages throughout our life but i do understand what judy's saying but the point of connecting with the audience with passion i don't care if you're talking about um hr rules or the latest tax code you should always speak in a way that you're trying to benefit the audience and i think even if it is more quote kind of drier or cerebral information judy's point is very um very vital you want to be credible and you want to be authentic regardless of whether you use a powerpoint right. or not um so i think it really varies on um you know, if you want to, you know, the purpose of the talk and if right. you think it will edify it or if you think it's it's not necessary. And I, I can do I can do either way. Right. Now, uh, we both know this, but uh, public speaking is, is really the key to success in any field, especially sales, especially 
management, uh, but in any field, public speaking is so important. And I was excited to hear that you offer individual and group training sessions called Speaking It Real. Uh, tell me more about this program, how it's benefited those who have participated, and even those who are like myself, an introvert, because public speaking, like, boy, if you followed me off the stage, you'd think, wow, Tom doesn't, hasn't, didn't speak as much in the last three days as he did from stage in that one hour. Uh, I love so it. how, make it, uh, tell us about the program, because there's a, I forget the percentage, but there's a significant percent, maybe 30, 40% of people who are true introverts that really need help on speaking it real in your program, as well as business executives, salespeople. It's a skill that develops self-confidence. So talk about that program because that is very important for people. Uh, that program will have a return on investment on it, uh, a lifetime return on investment and a big one, won't it? Yes, it will. And Emerson said that, that all great speakers were bad speakers first. So if you're scared or a bad speaker, that's okay. The point is that you're going to want to uh, do it. Uh, Oren Sweat Martin has a great quote about um, if you ever get the opportunity to rise uh, to your feet, just say yes. Because it's like everything else. You start out rough, <laughs> and then and then you do get better. Um, I am going to tell you something, too. Although I am very social and at ease with people, at heart, I am truly an introvert. Um, if I could stay home with my dogs and just read and write all day, that would be absolutely hunky-dory with me. I'm, I'm uh, comfortable with people, but, uh, but not to the point where I need that. You know, some people truly just need to be mm -hmm. in and mixing with people. Um, I will tell you this, the speaking it real, it's really about you being at ease with your personal technique. And if you are an introvert, like I am more animated, so my natural speaking technique is going to be very kind of open and kind of funny and uh, a lot of real world. I'm very, I'm very pragmatic, like my father. But you may be more introverted. I had a lady um, yesterday at a public speaking seminar, and English is her second language, and she was very self-conscious about it. And I said, no, it makes you sound so much more measured and intelligent because you take the time to articulate your words. And for public speaking, that's a very, that's a very great skill. But in speaking it real, I want you to get into the natural feel, it's like selling, of what works for you. Tom, we'll never make you an extrovert, okay? That's not in your genetic coding or your spiritual gift, but that's okay. That doesn't mean that you still can't touch people's lives. And so the the course is about the first um, part of it is about the actual bones of the structure. Because if you are even an introvert, boy, if you got great content, that makes everybody feel more confident, Okay, um, mm -hmm. an extrovert may sit there and say, well, I can just wing this with my personality. That's not good public speaking. Okay, so we take the first part and we actually build the structure. 90% uh, of great speaking is preparation, so that's where we spend our focus. Then the second part is preparation where we talk about things to know from room setup to contingency plans to will you be mic'd to should I use PowerPoint to should I move behind the podium to should I print my whole speech out and read it to my tone of voice. So, and then the last part, we actually craft 
your signature speech. You know, you have the elevator speech, the 30-second introduction, but this is that speech that defines you as a person. And once you get that sample down, then it's like John Maxwell books. Once you get that one book, then you can offshoot, you know, and have the the tentacles of, of so many other different venues Um, and speeches and thoughts that are important to you. So really, I want people to not just be proficient at speaking. I'm sure you're proficient, but I want people to actually really get excited about it. And you can get excited about public speaking because public speaking for the really great speakers that are transformational is all about reading and meeting and exceeding the needs of the audience. So public speaking isn't about the speaker. It's about serving others. And the more you develop that servant heart, the more in love you get with public speaking. It's not about you or ego, although, Tom, we've seen a lot of people like that. But mm-hmm. it's really about serving others. So um, I think, for especially for introverts, once you take the spotlight off of you and realize you are here to assist others, it, it makes me feel more comfortable because it's intimidating even for me. Mm-hmm. So that, that's nice. kind of what we cover. Nice. And then you also recently released another book called Write that book, The No-Nonsense Guide to Writing, Publishing, and Selling Your Book. Uh, That's with co-author Jason uh, Lillard. You've also had tremendous success with the the seminar that goes with it. And I meet so many people. I talk to so many people. I meet so many people that have amazing life stories. It's just like my mouth is open. I'm like... Wow, you should you should be up on the stage telling him uh, your story. Uh, just amazing stories. A lot of people have book quality lives that they should yeah. share with others, and so many people have a book in them that just again haven't gone to the steps of actually putting it together. And it's a lot easier in this day and age than it used to be. So, talk about that because there's so many people that. Even if you only wrote a book for your grandchildren or your children or your family, you could still share what's important to you and what you've learned through a book, right? Exactly. And you know what? What you brought up, that is a wonderful motivation and pure reason to write a book, to share with your family what you thought. You know, it, it's not about I want to be J.K. Rowling's or sell, you know, $90 million. That That's great. Um, you know, it's great if you're Stephen King level. But if you just want to put in perpetuity what you have thought or felt or experienced, you know, I always say, listen, I didn't go through all this stuff through the school of hard knocks and these hair-raising tales just for me to keep it to myself. The reason you go through things in life is so then you can be a blessing and a benefit to other people. Right. And my dad used to tell me that. Stop crying about it. This isn't about you. This is so when the next person you cross paths with is going through it, you can be a lifeline to them. Okay, so stop thinking about yourself. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But you know, Tom, uh, uh, speaking and writing are are two sides to the exact same coin. It's taking what you've been through or what you've studied or learned or discovered, and it's sharing it with other people. If you just keep it to yourself, that's actually quite selfish. I think about the disciples that, that were at Jesus' feet. What if they wouldn't have written down? What happened? Well, good for you. You got to meet them, but what about the rest of us? You know, right. um, you need to put it in right. And if you are a speaker, 
you need to record everything you do and have it transcribed. Even these seminars that we're doing can be, the audio can be transcribed because some people like to listen and some people like to read. Um, you know, so, and Life is Tremendous, my dad's book that has sold millions of copies over the past 50 years, that was his speeches when he was a Mutual of New York life insurance salesman. And he had them recorded and transcribed. That's why that book is so great and short and conversational. So if you're speaking, you are a writer. Get it transcribed and put it in print. And there's, like you said, it's so easy now. And if you're a writer, that book's not going to sell itself. You need to get out there and share your baby with your family or like you are, Tom, sharing with others the challenges of some of the the physical uh, things that you're going through. And and you want to help others because people may be thinking, I'm the only one going through this and I can't make it through. And here you are. You are being successful with it, and you do want it. Your your goal is to encourage. How can you encourage if you're not getting your message out there by any means possible? And that's through the spoken word, the written word, the electronic word, like us doing these webinars and stuff like that. We sow seeds in every possible way that we can, and getting the message out there, writing a book is another way to do that. Right, exactly. And uh, there's so many audiences that we could uh, write a book for. And yeah, I, would, yeah. I would love if my grandmother had written a book. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or uh, my stepfather. Worth a lot of money. Earned a lot of money in his life. And I've always, like, wanted him to, like, write it down. All these billionaires you <laughs> met, all these people. Like, share it. Otherwise, people, you go to your grave and your story is still in you. Yes, exactly. And so great. And so that and to have the is it a course or a webinar or videos? How do you teach that for? Oh uh, well, we have the book. We actually do seminars up here in um, Lancaster, Mechanicsburg, but we sure can take it on the road. And like I said, we've only been doing this about a year, so we hope to get out more to kind of the the cities up and down the East Coast. Um, but it sure is something that we we could a lot of the stuff we've started doing webinars the last couple months too can bring it over there. But definitely the book's available, and the book takes you through the exact same things that we cover in the seminar. Oh, okay. Very yes. good, very good. Well, that's going to be a very uh, important program for people because so many people do have a book in them and do have an audience in mind to share what they've learned and what they've gone through. And uh, lastly, uh, you and I can't have an interview without talking about the pups of publishing and your uh, your uh, four-legged uh, Introvert or extroverts, I guess dogs are yes. extroverts. Ruby, Indigo, and Roscoe. <laughs> uh, do they have any new uh, books in the works? Oh, my goodness. As a matter of fact, they do. Now, you know what? Yesterday I was at an elementary school. Um, we did first grade through fifth grade and had Indigo there, who, you know what, Tom? He is an introvert. He's part Sheltie, so he's really sweet and a little bit shy. So Mr. Blue was just an extroverted soul hound. Ruby's a total type A redhead uh, extroverted girl, and Roscoe's just a naughty, naughty rascal, so he's an extrovert. But um, Indigo has a book coming out next month. Um, the very end of next March, or this March, and it's called Boxcar Indy Goes to Doggy World. And this book is for elementary school age children, and it's on financial literacy. And the whole premise of the book is Indigo wants to go to Doggy World, but he doesn't have enough money. So will he borrow the money and have to go into debt to pay it back, 
or will he find ways to be an entrepreneur and a helper of his neighbors and a good saver in the credit union and earn interest and earn $1,000 by the end of summer to make it to Doggy World? So this is published in conjunction with the credit unions because they're a wonderful or, uh, group of uh, financial institutions that really give back to the community. So it's a right. really nice fit for us. So that's coming out in um, end of March. So we're wow. so excited about it. And we have Doggy Dollars and all kinds of marketing pieces, and uh, the credit unions are going to do a big uh, rollout. He's going to be at the event. And then the children, if they go to open up accounts at the credit unions, they get a copy of the book. And it's it's just um, it's it's a scene, Tom. I don't know what right, to tell you. Right, <laughs> right, right. I still get a tinge of sadness uh, when I see you put uh, pictures of Blue up there. Oh. Uh, uh, I, 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 I have known dog lovers. I got two dogs myself, and uh, I know people who have owned dogs all their life, and many of them have one special he was the one. dog that will never be surpassed by any other dog they ever owned. And he that was, was my a, once in a lifetime. Yeah, that was right. Him. That was him. Yeah, I still uh, miss him. He was comfortable in his suit and tie. He was comfortable oh. with the corporate audiences. He was comfortable with the kids uh, uh it's just like another human would look different that's all he was and it's so and I, I i still put stuff up there it's like putting stuff on my father up there they're still here it's still their legacy i'll see right. it again um right. and i'm not going to get into the theological discussions about you know our dog <laughs> in heaven but i know god put blue in my they life for a reason Right. Yes, I know. I know. And I read C.S. Lewis and stuff about, you know, why wouldn't he? That dog was my once-in-a-lifetime dog, my soul dog. That dog got me through the worst times of my life and the best times of my life. And I will – that's why I I just – to honor him. But I'll tell you what, Tom, the world looks a little bit different without him. It's it's a loss. It's a loss that's really – and it's because it was 100 million percent always positive. With people, there's good – but then there's not so good. Not with right. it. It's just, and that's when people really mourn. I'm like, it's okay. It's a love on this earth, unlike that's that rivals what we have with God. It's just completely all there for you all the time. Right. And people aren't capable of reciprocating that. So right. You probably had about some, it. You probably had some <laughs> amazing conversations with Blue too. Oh, it was. It, it, blue, blue was it. That was it. So it's it's an honor to still continue. And I'll tell you what, talk about answer to prayer. When he passed, I was like, oh, no, because I love doing the children's things with the books and the leadership programs for youth. And who knew that Indigo, my shy little Corgi Sheltie, is developing his own sweet blue-like personality, too. So it goes on. Uh, Blue's not here in his physical presence, but his, his – uh, uh, what he did certainly is. So I'm just blessed to still be able to keep doing the dog thing because Blue started that when he was 10. And so I'm like, oh, if only I would have done this sooner. So, right, you know, we have right. plenty more years to just keep it going. Well, I'm enjoying Roscoe. He seems to be uh, <laughs> He seems to be like, a, look at me, I'm here type of dog. He is. Um, <laughs> he has a book. Um, he has a book that's going to come out probably in the fall, and it's going to be geared for children ages two to four, and it's going to be about the terrible twos, uh, the terrier twos, and it's going to be called No No Roscoe by Roscoe the Rascal. So, oh, that'll be a, that, getting, yeah, yeah. That'll be a good one. Whenever I see the three of them playing on video, it seems like Roscoe's the most enthusiastic uh, of the. He books. is. So this is for the parents with children that are just a little challenging, you know? Yeah, <laughs> what, what yeah. What do you do? 
<laughs> right. Wow, amazing. So uh, what's the best way for, I guess everything's on your website for the um, Speaking It Real and the Write That Book programs, right? Either exactly now the tremendous leadership um, and tremendous Tracy are kind of linked. Tremendous Tracy is if you want to contact me about keynote speaking or upcoming events or one-on-one coaching, life skills coaching, any of that, and then tremendous leadership has our events as well. But that also has all our other publication Um, because you know not only our books, but you know we've got Napoleon Hill, we've got John Maxwell, Patrick Lencioni, because you know my father was. You're going to be the same person five years Mm -hmm. from now that you are today, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. And he didn't just read his books or promote his own books. He read everybody's books. And so that's still a very big part uh, of what we do. I watched a Jim Rohn video uh, in the last week, and Jim Rohn quoted your dad (laughs) about uh, the books you read and the people you meet. Right. Uh, right. So right. everybody, all the big names, like so many people quote that <laughs> one simple quote and so true. So excellent. Well, thanks. So, so tremendous Tracy.com. And then is it just tremendous leadership.com? Correct. Tremendous leadership. And if you, if you go on, on our old website name, tremendous life books, um, that'll kick over to tremendous leadership. And it's, it, it's all, we have it all interconnected. We, we changed from tremendous life books recently to tremendous leadership because we wanted people to know we're more than just a book distributor and provider of motivational media and publisher. We really are getting out more and doing more. We're, we're creating more content. Right. Right. And different yeah, areas. So that's and- Two great ones, exactly. speaking and publishing books. Good start. Yes, All yeah, right. Thank you, Tom. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing this with the the world. I get people from 130 countries visit my website, and they all should uh, learn to speak, and they should all learn to uh, write a book as well. Absolutely. Oh, we'd love to have them visit. And thank you so much for all you do and just uh, the wonderful um, conversation you had with me and the things you shared with me, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Say hi to the dogs, and I'm so glad mine didn't uh, didn't bark during the interview. Mine didn't somebody, somebody going through the hallway, like how dare them go through our hallway? <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, have yourself an amazing day, Tracy. Keep up the amazing work. You have uh, big shoes to fill, but I think now you have your own shoes. You got some parked in the corner by your dad there as a good reminder, but uh, you're growing your own shoes now. Thank you, Tom. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.